you'd like to follow along, it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. Um, it's on page 1497 in your Bibles, if you'd like to follow along with me. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting at verse 9. Just a few words here that the Apostle Paul gives to the congregation in Thessalonica as he prepares them for the second coming of our Lord. Page 1497, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting verse 9. This is what it says. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God concerning you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself... Our Lord Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is the word of our Lord. I have never trained for a marathon before. Frankly, I've never had the desire, and I don't think I'm ever going to have the desire to train for a marathon. Uh, But I could imagine that one of the main struggles of training for a marathon is not just the day of the marathon, but just the daily grind of disciplining yourself, making sure that you are ready for that day when finally the, the marathon is time to run. And I can imagine another difficulty is making sure that you stay healthy, that you don't have any injuries along the way for the weeks and months leading up to that marathon so that you can run it and and you are quite prepared for it. Now, I would also imagine that one of the greatest parts about a marathon is is not running it, not even training for it, but just finishing it, right? The, The feeling of achievement that you have afterwards, the joy of finally saying, finally, I get to rest and relax. I don't have to do this. Anytime I've ever talked to somebody who was training for a marathon, they were always able to give me the exact date of when that marathon was, always. It was almost like they were counting down the days, putting an X on it, just a few more days and we get to run the marathon. A few more weeks, we get to run the marathon, and this will all be over. I can finally rest and relax. But I've never heard of it where a marathon... Those organizers of a marathon say that if you register for this marathon, we will tell you sometime within the next five years when the marathon is going to be. We'll tell you the day of. You just make sure you're ready and you're well-trained, and and we'll let you know the day of and you can run the marathon. No, it's already difficult enough to run a marathon, isn't it? Let alone to know the day of, to simply say, always be prepared, be ready for any day, any time. It makes an already difficult task even more difficult. It'd be like the professors or or teachers in school saying, sometime this year you're going to have a test. We're just not going to tell you when. So just make sure you're prepared. Make sure you're ready. Makes an already difficult task even more difficult. Well, today, as we begin the season of Advent, Advent, you see, has a dual purpose, where we look back at the coming of our Savior, the first coming of our Savior, and we think about the joy that came on that day, but we also look forward to the second coming of our Savior and the joy that will be there when we finally cross the finish line and enter into the, the, the rest of heaven that is ours. The problem is we don't know.
know when that day is going to come. We have no idea. The Apostle Paul simply tells us here to be prepared, to be ready. Right? But, but just imagine how difficult it can be to ruin our morale as we're waiting because we might be waiting not just for a few years or decades, but maybe even centuries before Jesus comes back. And how can we keep up our morale? Training for a marathon is one thing, but it's nothing in comparison to holding on to our faith so that not even Satan or the world or our sinful self can tear it away from us. How are we going to be able to hold on to our faith if Jesus doesn't come back tonight? Because problems are coming in the future, aren't they? So the Apostle Paul in our lesson for today, what he does is he not, just, he not only encourages us, but he prepares us for that day. Now, our lesson comes from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the congregation in Thessalonica, a Christian congregation there. And he had met these people on the second missionary journey. Uh, when he showed up there in the city of Thessalonica, he went immediately to the Jewish synagogue, and he started teaching and preaching, showing people, proving to people, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messiah, that he had finally come. He connected the dots for them so that they could get it and understand it. And he was there in Thessalonica teaching and preaching for only three weeks. Three weeks, right? Think about that. Three weeks he was there, but still he taught them and he built up a Christian congregation. But after three weeks, some of, some of the Jewish members of that synagogue got jealous that everybody was going there and listening to him and following Paul. And so they kicked Paul out of the city. He was worried they were going to arrest him. He was worried that they might be killed. So he ran away from Thessalonica and went to the, near, to the, the next closest city. And he went to that synagogue and started preaching and teaching and building up another congregation there. But when the Jewish people from, from Thessalonica heard that he went to the next city, they chased after him and pushed him to the next city. And so Paul had to flee. He was afraid to go back to Thessalonica to meet with those Christians that, that were meeting in Thessalonica to continue their training in the Lord. There was great opposition there in Thessalonica. Persecution was horrible there. So Paul assumed that these people, they had only heard about Jesus for three weeks. He assumed, how long can these people really stay together? They're eventually going to fall apart. So the Apostle Paul sent Timothy back, his associate in the ministry, to check on things, see how they were doing. And to his surprise, they were not only surviving, but they were thriving. And God's word was being spread even in the face of opposition, even in the face of that great persecution. And so this letter of 1 Thessalonians is a letter of great joy. You can just hear the joy in Paul's voice as he writes back to them, the fact that they're not just surviving that, but they're thriving in God's word and sharing the message with everybody that they can. You can hear that joy in the very first verse, in verse 9. <coughs> he says this, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Now, despite the Apostle Paul's joy, he knows that more difficulties are going to be coming up in, in their lives. Right? There will continue to be persecution. There will continue to simply be problems because we are sinners in a sinful world. He knew very well that those people may very well be arrested. Some of those people might be killed all because of their faith. Some of them would lose their jobs, their friends, their family, their money, everything because of their faith. He knew that. 
He also knew that simply being a sinner in a sinful world means that problems are going to come up, that they're going to deal with things that are going to rattle their faith. They're going to deal with, with loss of loved ones. They're going to deal with financial struggles. They're going to deal with wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, and just the problems of life. And how is their faith going to survive? Because, you see, he does mention the end. He mentions that Jesus is going to come back. But did you notice something? He doesn't put a date there. He doesn't tell us when because the Apostle Paul doesn't know when. He simply says, be ready. Be prepared. And he tells them how to be prepared. And he says two things in particular. <coughs> the first one's found in verse 10. This is what he says. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now remember that the Apostle Paul had only been with these people for three weeks. Three weeks, right? How much training in God's work can you get in three weeks? Think for yourselves. How long did it take you before you were as a member of this congregation. Months, maybe, years, right, in some cases, right? Yeah. They had just three weeks. They were infants in the faith. They just started learning about Jesus, connecting the dots. At the same time, to give them some credit, these were people who were Jewish people in the synagogue, so they knew their Old Testament well. And once they heard and saw that Jesus was a fulfillment of prophecy, I'm sure that the, the dots just started being connected. They started to understand it quite well. But still, even if these people had an infant faith, or if these people knew God's word quite well, regardless, the Apostle Paul says that more strengthening, more understanding of the Bible is needed. Because he knew problems were going to come. He knew that there would be people who would come to them who would challenge what they believed, challenge what they had heard from Paul, what the Bible says, and and where were they going to go in the Bible to defend their faith they believed in? He knew that there were going to be some people in their midst of the congregation who were going to fall into specific temptation. And where were they going to go in the Bible to find out if that really was a sin and then how to give them comfort and healing? He knew that there were going to be people in their congregation who were going to deal with guilt because of sins in the past. And, and where were they going to go in Scripture to help minister to those people who needed confidence and hope in forgiving sins? They needed to grow in their understanding of God's Word. They needed that. So Paul tells them to grow in your understanding of God's word. That's one way you can be prepared. The second way is this. He says in verse 12, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. He says, cherish the Christian family of believers that you have. Love each other. Help each other when you are, when you are in need, when you are hurting. When, you, when someone has a tragedy in the congregation, there should be another family who goes to that family and, and comforts them, gives them support, right? and vice versa. Growing in our understanding of God's word and loving each other as a Christian family of believers. How are we doing in those two areas? That's how Paul says to prepare ourselves. Now, how are we doing in those two areas? I think we struggle with those two areas, don't we? We don't always see growing in our understanding of God's word as the number one priority in life. Not always. We have other priorities that come into our lives as well. We don't always, well, maybe we underestimate the value of ourselves knowing and being able to defend the faith and being able to minister to other people. We figure, ah, as long as the pastor knows it, we're fine. But what about our loving each other? How good are we at that? 
Sure Foundation Lutheran Church has grown enough over the years so that we have three different services, and those three different services alone, I think, has caused somewhat of a divide in this congregation, hasn't it? So that you don't always know the people who come to the second service or the people that come to the third service. You see faces but don't even know their names, and how can you love each other when you don't even know the names, uh, their own names? How can you pray specifically for the problems going on in their lives if you don't even know what's going on in their lives? whether it's a, a language or cultural barrier or simply the fact that when we come to church, we like to talk to our own friends and, and that's it. Whatever it might be, I think we do struggle at loving each other. As the Apostle Paul encourages us to do, so that we can be ready. But thankfully, preparing ourselves for the day when Jesus comes back is not something that God puts into our hands. Being prepared for the day when Jesus comes back is something that he takes upon himself. He makes sure that you are prepared. That not that you will be prepared, but that you already are prepared for the day when Jesus comes back. And I want you to notice something. Look closely at the wording that we see here in 1 Thessalonians. He doesn't give imperatives saying, do this. Rather, he more phrases it as a prayer saying, may God do this. To show us who really is involved in preparing you for the second coming of Christ. Here's what he says specifically. In verse 13, he says it this way. He doesn't say strengthen your own hearts. What he says is, may he strengthen your hearts. So when we sit down with God's word, when we take the Lord's Supper, what's happening? It's God coming to us, God strengthening us so that we can stand up against the devil because God is with us. There's no way we can do that on our own. He strengthens us. He goes on in verse 12. He says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. That is, our God puts in our heart the ability to love other people where we naturally do not have that ability. So we can love the people there as we see God's love for us. We naturally love each other as a family of believers. Our God prepares us. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. You see, On the very first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, that was a very loud announcement to the entire world of God declaring that we aren't able to prepare ourselves. And so our God sent someone who could prepare us. He sent Jesus. And so think about those times when we have failed in wanting to grow in our understanding of God's word. Where we have failed, we see the boy Jesus, who's 12 years old, in the temple, reading and listening and learning where we did. Where we have failed in our temptations, we see Jesus going head to head against Satan. And in every one of those temptations, Jesus shouted out God's word back to him, and Satan had to run away like a dog. We see our Savior loving each other, loving us more than any of us have ever loved anyone. As those nails were being put into his hands on the cross, he shouted out to God before those soldiers were struck down dead. He shouted out and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's where we see love. Our God prepared us so that we're not waiting for the day when we are prepared, when finally Jesus can come back, but we can say that today, right now, I am ready. I am prepared. And that's why the Apostle Paul words it like this. So that you will be called, whether Jesus comes back tonight or in 500 years, 
blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord comes with all his holy ones. You will be ready because he makes you ready. He prepares you. I would be, if Jesus came back tonight, nothing would make me happier, right? It'd all be over, right? We can finally go home to heaven. We no longer have to deal with the struggles and problems that we deal with on a daily basis. But if Jesus does not come back tonight, there will be new problems for tomorrow. And how is your faith going to do against those new problems for tomorrow? Well, our God has given us his word. And in his word and in his sacraments, he strengthens us so that you can be ready for whatever problems that you don't, so you can know that you aren't facing it by yourself. On top of that, he's given to you a family of believers who takes care of you, who loves you, who is praying for you, and whom you can love as well. You get to help somebody else reach out to them when they are suffering from a tragedy. They get to help you when you are struggling. You get to minister to them. That is what God has given to us so that we can always be ready, whether he comes back tonight or in 500 years. See, we're not training for a marathon. We're already running in it. And soon, very soon, we're going to cross in that finish line for eternal life. Amen.